0: about loving God, loving people. This was the scripture Jesus gave us in Matthew 22. He just basically said, hey, this whole, uh, every law and, and uh, word from the prophets, if you could boil it down, it would be these two things, to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love people as you love yourself. And so these are, these, this is our heartbeat. This is our vision. And so this is what we want to do really well. And over the last couple weeks, we've been talking about loving God, how we can love God you know, individually having a relationship with Christ individually. Also, corporately, as a as a body, as one body, the uh, the Lord says we're we're one church, we're one body. Not just Westridge, but every church that is that's following Jesus, where He's the Lord and He's the head, we're all one body. It doesn't matter what our signs say. We're all one church, and we're all we're not competing with one another. We all have a singular kingdom purpose, and so we, we've been talking about that as a church last week. We we shared about that today. I want to talk about loving people, loving people, and this is interesting uh, because uh, it's for all of us all of us are called to make disciples to go out into all the nations, to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And I know those are all Israeli or Jewish words, uh, but really uh, that was Jesus' mission field. It was, it was to Israel. He didn't leave Israel. He remained in Israel. And then Paul and Timothy and many took the, took the, uh, the gospel to, uh, to the Gentiles or to the surrounding nations. Uh, and that's how we have the gospel. It just has kept spreading and spreading and it's come all the way over here to America. And we're so blessed to know the gospel of Christ and to be in this church. And so today I just want to Share that message that Jesus started years and years ago. He uh, He gave us the keys to the kingdom. He gave us the, the church as the keys. We have all authority. And so uh, today I want to talk about how we love people. And it's interesting. Uh, I want to look to Jesus as the example, not just as the example, but uh, even uh, obviously uh, as we read in the scriptures and and the passages, we see that Jesus loved people. But we also know that Jesus still loves people today, right? He's not dead. He's still ruling and alive. And Jesus loves people. And so today that's what I want to talk to you about. Let's uh, Let's read this passage that Jesus spoke, Matthew 22, 37, 39. It says, you must love God. I'm sorry, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And second is equally as important. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so again, love God, love people. That's where we get our uh, our vision from. And so... Uh, You know, there's a few things that when we look to Christ that we see Him doing, and we can, uh, as His followers, we can begin to understand and see, uh, just like when He called the disciples. Last week, we shared about this, that Jesus picked out 12 disciples, and He had many more followers as He went on to His ministry, but these 12 guys, they weren't expected. They weren't what we thought they were as far as when Jesus picked out 12 guys. They weren't like the religious elite. They weren't, you know, possibly, we went through this last week where if we had a choice to pick, we, we may not have picked the same 12, but Jesus chose these 12 guys. And there's, there's something that Jesus really uh, showed us is not only how to love people, uh, but he loved, he loved where he lived. If you think about it, he loved where he lived and he loved his hometown. And so there's not many scriptures that we have, like, for the first 30 years of Jesus. It's very limited on what we have in scriptures, but we do know this, uh, that he loved his hometown. In fact, one of the scriptures that we know, it says he loved his hometown so much he wanted to go and heal. He wanted to bring an amazing blessing and miracles and healings, but his hometown didn't receive him. They didn't want to receive him, but it doesn't mean that Jesus didn't love his hometown. Jesus spent his whole life ministering to Jerusalem, to Israel, to all the surrounding cities. He loved where he lived. It'd be like today, you know, You know, Jews, they they would wear head coverings. You know, Jesus would have his 412 hat on. He'd be loving Pittsburgh. He'd be loving Coriopolis, be loving Moon. Uh, He loved that 15108 crazy zip code. He'd love it all, right? He would be all in. And so today I I just want to share some, I want to look to Jesus. How did Jesus love people? And so that's kind of my first point. Let's look at his family. You know, Jesus loved his family. And look, we all have complicated families. Maybe you have a, a less complicated family, but we all have families. And there's, there's things in every family, right? There's things that are weave good things, bad things, a lot of things in our family. But Jesus loved his family. And for 30 years, Jesus was with his family, was submitted to his family, was under the authority of his mom and dad under, under Joseph and Mary. I know, uh, obviously, the father as well, because the father was his, his actual father, and Joseph was his was his was his earthly father. But we see that for thirty years he was underneath their authority. In fact, what we see in scripture is the couple scriptures that we have is what did the some of the some of the religious leaders when they were when they saw Jesus say that they said, "Isn't that the carpenter's son? Isn't that the carpenter's son?" It was derogatory. It was meant in a, and maybe in a less fashionable things. But isn't that the carpenter's son? Which, you know, in Jewish tradition and Jewish customs, Jesus would have grew up under Joseph and under his his trade. And Jesus would have been learning craftsmanship and carpentership as underneath Joseph. And uh, And look, that would have been what he did. Also, we see that Jesus was, as a young boy, learning the scriptures. It's kind of ironic, isn't it, that Jesus is the word. <laughs> I mean, he literally is the word, but he left his Godhead and he, he became like us. He left that lordship and that Godhead and he became like us. So Jesus had to learn to walk, learn to talk like us. I mean, it's kind of hard to imagine because we're not him, but, but he had, he became like his created and he had to learn. He had to read the scriptures. He had, he prayed. He looked to the father. He went to church. He went to the synagogue. It wasn't a to-do list either. Jesus loved being in his father's house. He really enjoyed it. In fact, if you remember, there's one story when Jesus was about 13 where they were going to church and mom and dad, how many, you know, if any of you and there was brothers and sisters, Jesus had brothers and sisters as well. But if you have large families, sometimes um, sometimes you can oops as a mom and dad. And so they go to the synagogue and they leave and then they look back in their rearview mirror they probably didn't have that one but they, they look back and they're like hey where's jesus and they're like oh we left him at church we left him at the synagogue and they turn around anybody any parents can relate to that you leave your kids somewhere anyone that's all right look we all we all have these moments as parents right and so they go back and they find jesus and and they're uh, they're confounded that jesus is standing there with The teachers, the scribes, and he's blowing them away with his wisdom. And look, that just isn't by mistake. Of course, Jesus is God, but what you need to know is a 13 year old boy, he studied the scriptures, he loved the word, he prayed. His family, we talk about the love of his family. like Joseph and Mary, they taught him principles. They taught him what it is to worship. They taught him, they brought, they made sure that he was uh, not just going to church, that, that it was a part and a piece of who he was. These were all important things. We see this knitted into his, his family dynamic. He loved his family. In fact, think about this. The very last words, if you, were, if you, were to, if you only had moments left to live, what would you say? Jesus was hanging on the cross, and what did he say? There was very few things he said on the cross. First of all, he, he did, probably didn't have much strength to say much. But he looked down, he looked at John, and what did he say? Take care of my mom. You take care of my mom. Jesus loved his family. Something that meant a lot to him, and something that should mean, uh, mean a lot to us. We love our family, our physical family, but like our church family, Jesus modeled it so well. He loved his disciples. Again, he picked out 12 disciples and he loved them. And we have more Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We have more about the 12 disciples. We have a lot of scriptures we could share about the disciples, how much he loved them, how much he engaged with them, how much he showed them, he taught them, he corrected them. We have a lot in there, don't we? But my, I think the, the best picture of love for his disciples is found in John 17. This is when he prays. When Jesus is praying to the Father, I want you to see what he writes in John 17, starting in verse 6. He says, This, I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours, but you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you, for I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it and know that I came from you, and they believe you sent me. My prayer is not for the world but for those you've given me, because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. Now I'm departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I'm coming to you. Holy Father, you've given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name, so that they will be united just as we are. And I say, I love this scripture for for one reason, because the disciples aren't there. And you see Jesus saying, I love these guys. I love them. I'm not, I'm not praying for the world, although he came to save the world. I'm not praying for the world right now. I'm praying for these disciples. God, they believe in you. They believe that you sent me. They believe in this word. They're all in. And I love how he just pours himself out praying for those he loves, his disciples. God, I want them to, I want them to have everything that we are. I want them to be unified I want them to be one as we are one. And just such a beautiful prayer. And it's just such a beautiful representation of what love is. God, I won't hold anything back. You know, that's the amazing thing about being a follower of Christ is there's nothing God is holding back from you or from me. He puts it all on the table. Everything in heaven and outside of heaven and everything God is is available to you and to me. This prayer was for those 12. He was showing his love. But you know what? That prayer is also for believers today. If you read the whole prayer, he's praying for every follower. These are my kids. One of the guys uh, guys I I love to talk to, he comes comes to me from time to time and he gives me words of encouragement and uh, just shares sometimes their words for you. Here's what he said. We're all God's seed. We're all his kids. And think about this. There's no difference between You and me and you. God sees us all equally. He doesn't have a favorite. He doesn't give, he doesn't like this one more than this one. We're all his seed. We're all his children. We're all special. We're all valuable. There's there's things in each one of us. And I love how Jesus put it. Let us all be one as him and the father are one. It's just really a beautiful picture of what love is. Love is unified. Love is powerful. Love is expressed. Love takes sacrifice. Love takes work. And here's God praying for his disciples saying, God, I love these guys so much. Any follower that is after me, I I love them. I'm, I'm with them. In fact, you know what the scripture says about Jesus and us? Of course, it says he's our mediator, he's our high priest. But it says he's interceding for us. And don't just overlook that. Jesus is talking to the Father on your behalf, on my behalf, personally, individually, your name included, your life included, your stuff included, everything that's going on. Jesus is talking. He's our mediator. He's the one that's speaking to the Father. He's, He's the one that's communicating. He knows you. He loves you. He hasn't forgotten about you. He does know your name. I'll never leave you or forsake you. That's the promise for all the seed, all his kids. You know, when you have kids, you get it, right? Maybe we get it. We don't always get it right, but we get some things. And that is we want the best for our kids. All of them, every one of them. I have four. I remember when I had my first kid and then my second, I'm like, well, how am I going to love this one as much as this one? And then you have three, and then you have four, and then insanity sets in. You're like, well... It just works. I don't know. It just works. God just, he gives you what you need, right? It just is amazing how God does that. How much more is the one that made us, that made every single human being? How much more does he love each one of you? He loves his disciples. The next thing is the unknown or the neighbors, right? The unknown. This is kind of mind-boggling, but you're gonna have to walk with me a little bit. Remember, Jesus is God, but he's also man. So as God, he created every single person, but when he became a man, he didn't know every person because he put his Godhead down is what it says in Philippians. So literally, even though he made them, he's walking into towns and they're strangers to him, which is kind of crazy to think about. It's, it's a little bit too big for me. It's a, that's why I'm thankful he's God and I'm not. But he's walking into these towns to people he doesn't know in fact, he's walking his towns to the people that have been discarded. They're in the synagogues. They're, they're actually in the synagogues, but yet, for whatever reason, they're rejected or discarded or looked at a little bit like they're a little bit lower. You know, Unfortunately, that happens in the church sometimes, doesn't it? We allow our flesh to kind of, we like to look at the outside. Look, that's not the way we should look. But this is what the flesh does. The flesh that we all have The mindset that all of us have is we look at the outward and we like to judge on the outward, but that's not how God looks. God looks at the inward. He looks at our heart. And so he looks at those that have been discarded. He looks at those. That's what I love about Night to Shine. That's what I love about it. Not just Night to Shine, but for every one of you. You're his children. He made you. You're special to him. You're valuable. You're loved. You're precious. But you know what? Sometimes some people are discarded because of, Whatever reason. And this is what I love about Night to Shine. Night to shine look, these are God's children. They're created in His image. They're people, they're His kids. And as, a, as a world, we like to define things based on their disability, but that's not who they are. They're not special needs kids, these are God's kids. They just happen to have some, some difficulties in some areas, don't you? You don't walk around and say, hey, I'm a flu kid. There's probably a lot of flu kids in here right now, aren't there? Right? No, we're his kids. We're all valuable. We're all special. We may have things that we're walking through or going through, but that doesn't define who we are. He defines who we are. And this is what I love is Jesus walks into a town in John chapter nine, and there's this kid and family that's kind of rejected. And watch how Jesus, again, we're looking to him to see how we can love people. Watch this. John chapter 9, verses 1 through 5. Here's what it says. It says, now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man. Notice he didn't know his name. Even though he made him, he didn't know his name because he put down his godhood. He saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples, who? His disciples asked him. The The twelve. His disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who has sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Listen, here's here's a, a man since birth, that had been blind. And his disciples, the 12 guys, look, this should encourage you. We're disciples too. If you're following Jesus, you're a disciple too. And guess what? We don't always get it right. His disciples didn't get it right either. And let me just blow you away a little bit more. His disciples were probably taught this in the church, that if someone's blind or someone has an ailment, it's because they or somebody in their family sinned look, that is not always the case. I certainly understand sin has its consequences, but we can't nail everything down to a sin. And Jesus said, neither. He said, hey boys, neither are true. In fact, the reason why this man is blind, this is pretty over our heads, isn't it? The reason why he's blind is because he's gonna bring glory to me. He's gonna bring glory to God. It's for the God's glory that I'm going to heal this man. You know, a lot of times we think miracles and healings are for us. And it is. It encourages us. It it blows us away, right? But really, healings and miracles are for the glory of God. It's to testify how good it is. And Jesus healed that man, healed that blind man. And everyone was confounded. Everyone was like, wow. And the, the religious elite keep reading the passage, go home and read it later. They're like, who did this? Who did this? Boy, tell me, who did this? You can have fun with your own interpretation of it. Like, Duh, I was blind. I don't know. Of course, then they explained, right? <laughs> who did this? Jesus did it. Jesus healed him. Look, I love that God loves the unknowns. He loves those that are cast out. He loves those that maybe the world looks at and said, hey, this kid's blind because of some sin. And they probably treated him that way. But they're all special to God. It doesn't matter what the world says. It doesn't matter how people label you. It doesn't matter what others say about you. Look, a lot of times people say terrible things. But let's understand something. That's people. And it's because of sin that we say these terrible things. And might I just say, if it's happened through the church, I'm sorry. And let me just say, it's not Jesus that's saying it. Because a lot of times when we have hurt and pain, we say, well, that's how God is. It's not true. In fact, Jesus just is telling you, it's not true. I love you. I want to heal you. I want to help you. I want to set you free. That's how much God loved people. As he showed up in the middle of our world and those that maybe even we discarded, Jesus said, I love them. And it's for my glory that I'm going to heal them. It's for my glory that I'm going to save them. It's for my glory that I'm going to show them what it is to be a follower of Christ. So that's how Jesus modeled loving people. So how does Jesus define loving people for you and for me? And I love this. I'm not going to stay here long. But Jesus uh, in Matthew 22:39 it says this. It says, secondly, or uh, secondly is equally is equally important as loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind is love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now this is purposeful and intentional, and the order is important. Look, Scripture. Uh, when you read Scripture, you have to understand there's an order to things. First, it's love God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, and mind. And second, and second, just as important, is love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, this doesn't mean, hey, it's all about me. It doesn't mean, hey, that I have an ego or that I get arrogant or, you know, it's all about me, me, me. No, 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 I, absolutely not. If you read the scripture, it says, first, you love God. You cannot love people without understanding who God is. God isn't like love. God isn't good at loving. Love defined is Jesus Christ. Love defined is God. You cannot define... Now, we say things like we love pizza, but you really don't love pizza. You like pizza. Do you love pizza more than you love your family? No, that's foolishness. But we say things that sometimes confuses us. Love is is God. Love is Christ. Joy is, for us, it's a fruit of the Spirit, but here's what it is. It is who God is. Joy, love, goodness. Look, what is good? You only know what good is because of Jesus was perfect. That's the only way you know what good is. If you measure good by you or me, or any one of us in this room, we get a skewed picture why? Because we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. So somewhere along the way, we've messed up what good is. But if you want to define what good is, you have to go to the perfect one that lived perfectly without sin, and that's Christ. So look, see? Love God with all your heart. If you want to learn about love, you have to go to God to learn what love is. You want to learn what joy is? You've got to go to God. Mercy, forgiveness, grace, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. All those things are found in God. God. What the Bible doesn't say is love your neighbor as you love yourself, as your old self. Please don't love your neighbor as your old self in anger and unforgiveness and resentment. This is what we do a lot of times, right? I can only love them if they forgive me. It doesn't work that way. Jesus forgave you while you were yet a sinner, which means you're going to have to forgive people even though they have angst against you. Forgiveness isn't for the other person. Who's it for? It's for you. See, this is why we gotta learn to love God. And as you love God, here's how it works. As you love God, as you receive from God, so there's, the gospel is beautiful. I love how Carrie presented it, right? Jesus is the only way, truth, and life. Nobody comes to the Father except through Jesus, me, except through Jesus. There's no other way. Oprah, Google, throw all that in the trash. Jesus says there's, he he said there's no other way to the Father except through Jesus, except through me. Where am I going? I don't know. So you learn how to love people through loving Christ. And this is a beautiful part of the gospel. As you love God, you receive from him. And here's the other part of the gospel. Freely you've received, right? So if I'm receiving love, now I can give love because I'm receiving it from God. So now I can give it. If I'm receiving unforgiveness or if I'm receiving forgiveness from God, don't receive unforgiveness from God, that's wrong. If I'm receiving forgiveness from God, I can give forgiveness to others. If I'm receiving grace from God, I can give grace to others. If I'm receiving joy from the Lord, I can give joy. Do you get it? This is why you have to love God first. And the second is equally important because you can't love others until you receive it for yourself. There's nothing worse when you get somebody that's being fake, right? They're acting like they love you, but you could tell it's not real. We have to receive from the Lord. It doesn't mean that we're not perfect, that we're perfect because the disciples are standing there going, Why is this guy blind? Look, we're going to be learning along the way. It doesn't mean that, so please don't do this. This is what we do as human beings and as followers of Christ, too. Well, I can only love people after I do these 10 things. No. You love people along the way. You receive from God and you give. If you make a mistake, you make it right. The disciples were wrong. That's okay. You're going to get wrong every once in a while but the important part is that we're looking to God. As you're looking to God, look, God is going to keep maturing you and growing you. When Jesus called the disciples, he said, he didn't say, hey, come follow me after you get X, Y, and Z in order, and then come follow me. He just said, come right right now as you are. And as you start walking with God, he's going to start molding you. There's another great scripture, right? You're, You're like clay in the potter's hand. He's molding you. He's forming you. He's shaping you. He's working out all those iniquities. He's working out the dross out of the, out of the gold, out of your life. He's working out all those things that maybe we need to let go of. Look, he's being graceful and patient and he's helping you work them out. But along the way, keep receiving from God and keep loving people. It's that simple. That's why I love how easy he made it. There's no uh, asterisk or there's none of that stuff that says, well, I have to do this and this and this first. No, 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 no. Just keep seeking God. And as you receive... Give back to others, keep loving others. So how do we love people? How do we love people? I wanna say something and I don't want you to tune me out. You cannot love people until you get engaged. And I'm not saying, I am saying and I'm not saying. So look, you can serve here at Westridge. You can get engaged here at Westridge but I want you to understand something. You're not serving me, and you're not serving the elders or staff of the church. You are serving, but the reality is you're serving Jesus Christ. You're serving him, and by the way, we just don't serve on Sundays from 9 and 10 45, 30 minutes pre-service, 30 minutes post-service. Look, every day of our life is serving. Monday, Tuesday, at work, at your family. Wherever you are, you're serving Jesus all the time. Of course, it's important that we serve as his body and as a church. I'm not saying it's not important. It's very important. But what I'm saying is get engaged. If you're sitting here, maybe you've been sitting here for a while and you've just never served. Now's your time. Get in the game. What are you waiting for? Think about this. Every single miracle. Look, I can share. We can go through this Bible. and go through all the Gospels, all of Acts. We can go through all 66 books if you want. We can go through all of them. But do you know every single time God revealed himself whether it was salvation, whether it was healing, whether it was setting people free, whether it was being the church, who did he choose? Who did he choose? You. Me. He chose his disciples. Now, let's be abundantly clear. God could do it without us. He doesn't need us. But out of His love, He chooses to use you. Think about it. I want you to think about any miracle that Jesus did. Let's just use one. Let's use the one. Again, He loves His family. What was the first miracle? He turned water into wine. Who went and got the pots? Did Jesus go get the pot? His disciples did. He used people. Go get the water. Grab the pots. Go get the water and bring them back to me. How about the feeding to 5,000? Hey, guys, gather them up in groups. Get the bread, distribute it, collect the leftovers and bring them back. Look, he used the people. Now, let's be clear who did the miracle? He did, but we're part of it. We're part of the miracle. You see, sometimes we say, well, God's never done a miracle through me. Are you serving? Are you serving Jesus? I don't know about you, and you could probably ask any servant in here that's serving Jesus. It is powerful when we worship and serve God. There, miracles happen every day. You just got to get in the game. We got to get in the game. And let me just say this. Remember, the miracle isn't about me or you, is it? It's about the glory of God. I remember, uh, and I've shared this story a few times. When I started coming to church, I wasn't saved. I was interested, but I wasn't saved. Of course, there was a woman I was highly interested in that went to church, my wife. My wife now wasn't then, but I was very interested. But I started coming to church, and um, there was something God had put in me that I didn't realize, but I, I love music. I've always loved music, specifically rap music. So some of you are like, he's not making it to heaven. But I loved rap music. All <laughs> right, I especially loved the wrong rap music, if you know what I'm saying. But I, I, I loved it so much. I spent, as a kid, as a 16-year-old kid, actually, uh, I saved from when I was 11. I used to throw papers. And I saved money, and I put this amazing sound system. I was sponsored by this, this great uh, music manufacturer, and they sponsored me. And I would change my truck every year, go to competition. I just loved it. I never... It was a bad investment, by the way. But it was, it was amazing. I loved it. And I loved waking up my neighbors every night and every morning. I just loved... Playing it as loud as I could, and I just enjoyed that, but it was the wrong message. I was feeding myself the wrong, but even though I didn't, I didn't know this, so I was doing all of those things, but in the midst of it, God was actually doing something in me I didn't know at the time. I had a love for music, but guess what? Who makes music? Who made the music? God did. He made music. So I started coming to church, so guess what interests me? Music. Hey, they have a band. They have drums. They even had a rapper one time. I was like, that's awesome. And so I, was, I started running sound. And here's, here's what a, a, I can call myself ignorant, it's okay. Here's what an ignorant kid didn't know. I'm sitting there at the soundboard hearing the message because we had three services, three times a week. Now I can tell you there was many weekends where I came in where I heard but I didn't hear and I saw and I didn't see. But God's word never returns void and he started planting things in me. In fact, Jen and I were coming here, and as a, my old flesh, okay, as an old flesh, I really, there was times where I woke up, and I'm like, why am I g- even going there? But even in my old flesh, I'm like, I don't know, but I kind of like it. There was something God was doing that I couldn't explain, and there was more that I wanted, but I couldn't tell you what it was. Of course, I know now it's, it's Christ and his word, and everything about him is, is something that I can't get anywhere else. You can't get this anywhere else. The word of God is life-changing. It's powerful. It's active. And I can't find that in any music or CD that I buy. You'll never find it except for in Christ. And I'm sitting there behind that music board. I'm sitting there behind the soundboard, mixing every single week. And God is speaking to me every single week, every single week, every single week. The point of my story, church, is this. God changed me by getting in the game, and I didn't even realize what I was doing. Came to a point where I knew that I needed to give my life to Jesus, and I did. And so here you are, if you're sitting here, and you're just, you're not serving, you're not part, I just want to encourage you, now's your time, I want to challenge you, get involved. In fact, on your seats, is a count me in, it's a, it's a card, and I just want to challenge you, and maybe you're sitting there, I remember, I remember when I did this for the first time, I'm like, I'm so nervous. I don't know. I don't get it. I I really shouldn't be behind the soundboard. If they knew who I was, look, I understand that's maybe what you're thinking, but I'm telling you, God will do more than you know. And I'm not going to throw you to the wolves. I'm not just going to throw you in somewhere. In fact, the first thing we want to do is if you just fill this out, we just want to sit down with you and walk with you. We want to help you understand how God's wired you. See, for me, it was music. Maybe it's for you. It's maybe you play an instrument. Maybe you sing. Maybe You're great with tech, maybe you love teenagers. Look, maybe Awaken is your thing. Maybe you just love being around young people. Maybe you like helping those that are less fortunate, that are poor in poverty. Maybe you love, we have a pantry that serves every single Thursday. You know, what's amazing is is that as you serve, you're showing people Christ by your actions and your words. And look, you may be day one following Jesus But look, the disciples were like, Jesus said, come follow me. Do you think that they weren't worried or concerned? Absolutely they were. Did they make mistakes? Yes, they made mistakes. But you know what? They stepped in and God began to do something in them. And by the way, I'll say this, it expedites your faith in a way. Look, we we say, well, it takes you 10 years to mature. Jesus can do that a lot faster if you're walking with him and you're opening your heart to him and you're making yourself available it's amazing what God does. So get in the game. Count me in. Jump in. Fill this out. Just throw it in the box, and we're going to call you. We're just going to walk with you. There's a great book we do called Strengths Finder, where we just help understand who you are, because we're all unique. We're all different. What do you love? Who are you? Look, plug in. Get involved on Sundays. But again, you can serve on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Look, we have Ridge Pantry on Thursday, Awakens on Wednesday. You can serve at home. You can serve at your work. Make yourself available to what God wants to do. There's always a kingdom purpose for every single one of us. Always. I love when Jesus went to heaven, the disciples kept going. They didn't stop. In fact, it emboldened them, and they were more powerful. Not more powerful than Jesus, but they were just in a place where they were like, let's go, let's do it. Jesus isn't dead. He's still alive. And he sent you a helper that is unbelievable to help you do this. I'm not asking you to do it by yourself. Look, we'll help train you, but I'm just telling you, you have God inside of you. If anybody can help you, it's him. And we're here to equip you. Ephesians 4.12 says this. Many of you know the first passage, but let me just read Ephesians 4.12. And it says this, that for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now I've taken this out of a, a big passage, but it starts off with, these are Jesus' gifts. Jesus makes apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists. I'm missing some, am I? Someone help me. Pastors, prophets, teachers, evangelists. There's another one. Anyway, look it up. Ephesians 4, 1, 2, 3. Here's the point. A few are called to do that. A few. Not all of us. Not all of us are apostles. Not all of us are pastors. Not all of us are teachers. Not all of us are evangelists. A few of us are called to do that. Look, I'm called to do that. As your pastor and as your teacher, that's what Jesus himself has gifted and called me to do. But if you keep reading on, the purpose of those gifts are for equipping the saints. And by the way, I'm a saint as well. And you're a saint. We're all saints. And I know that messes with your head if you came from a different denomination. But no, that's like St. John and St. Peter. I can't be one of those. Listen, you, the scriptures say, as a follower of Christ, you're a saint and I'm a saint. I understand we all have different gifts and different things, but we're all saints. And we're saints equipped To do the work of the ministry. The saints do the work of the ministry. Night to Shine would not have helped him without 106 saints working together for one purpose. Sunday mornings, this would not happen. Every week, we have 40 plus volunteers that make this happen every week for one purpose to glorify and point to Jesus. It's not about me, it's not about you, it's about him. And my job as your pastor is to equip the saints. Right now, my job is to equip you as a saint to do the work of the ministry. Not Westridge's ministry, although we're part of the kingdom, right? The kingdom's ministry, the kingdom of God. Jesus is the head. We're his church. We're all as saints doing the work of the ministry. I'm a saint too. It doesn't negate me from not doing work just because I'm a pastor. When I'm a pastor, I'm here to equip. But when I take off my pastor hat, I'm a saint. I'm a saint just like you. I have no problem mopping floors. I have no problem serving people. I have no problem praying for people. Look, we all should have no problem because God has called us all to make disciples. Go into all nations and make disciples. I've went a little too long. But now's the time. Let's get in the game. If you're here today and you're not serving, I can just challenge you. I can just tell you, God is going to do a mighty work through you. Please, please, please don't allow the enemy or your own head or your own uncomfortableness to rob you, to rob you from the eternal plan and purpose. Look, everything we do in the natural and the worldly gets burned up and thrown out. But the ministry we do for Jesus Christ goes on for all eternity. Please don't let yourself or the enemy rob you of that. Get in the game. Why don't you stand to your feet? I want to pray with you. Lord, I thank you. We bless you, we praise you, we love you. God, it's all for you. Everything's for you. Lord, what are you doing? Holy Spirit, what are you saying to us? What are you saying to me? Lord, I believe this church will be different six months from now because there's a few maybe in this room that haven't engaged, but when they do, God, when they trust you, when they step, when they take that step of faith, oh God, things are gonna change. Things are going to change in them because they're going to learn how to love God with all their heart, soul, and mind. And you're going to deposit something in them and they're going to love others right through that deposit. God, your word says you're going to fill our cup until it overflows, but that overflowing is to touch and reach and help others and bless others. Lord, we thank you. I thank you for what you're doing right here in this church. Lord, encourage the saints. Encourage the saints today. They may be followers, they may believe in you, but they haven't stepped in, they haven't engaged. Now's the time. Holy Spirit, speak to them. And Lord, if there's anywhere, anyone in the sound of my voice that hasn't followed you, now's the time. Now's the day of salvation. Receive Jesus right where you are. With your own words, with your own, just say, God, I'm so sorry. Forgive me of my sins. I'm making you Lord of my life. Here's what Jesus is saying. Come follow me. Your response has got to be say, I'm all in. I'm all in. Watch and see what God will do. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, everyone said, let's worship together.